Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts or iTunes. Look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. Part of the reason for why the Old Testament is part of the Bible is so we can see where all things came from and what were things like before Jesus Christ came to this earth in his human form. Before Christ, there was no salvation. Sin was only atoned for through the offerings and sacrifices that God prescribed for his people to do before the promise of the Messiah was fulfilled. All of these previous practices were glimpses of the great and wonderful work God was going to do through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the one that would become the perfect offering that would take care of mankind's sin for all eternity. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the requirements of the law were fulfilled, and we have a new and eternal hope. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and majesty be to you. For you are worthy to be praised and exalted, for there is no one like you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, that you may always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for the sacrifice that you did through him and for the hope of eternal salvation that we have through his blood. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord God, that you may please help us to understand, to be able to reason, to be able to, to sincerely, Lord God, just take into our hearts what you have done for us. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for your Son and for what you have done for all of mankind because you love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 29, verse 1 to 11. This is the word of the Lord. And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year, without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you, besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering, and their drink offerings according to their ordinance as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord." On the tenth day of this seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma. One young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. 
We just read that God had instituted in the Old Testament that sacrifices or offerings were to be made in order to deal with sin. But there is a word that is used that gives special insight to the power that these sacrifices had. And that is the word atonement. In the original Hebrew text, that word more precisely meant to cover, as in a visual covering, something that kept God from looking at the sin people had committed. But these sacrifices could not remove sin or wash away sin. Sin was still there. And so this was a temporary condition. And as a temporary condition, these sacrifices had to be made yearly, time and time again. Now over time, the people of Israel lost all focus on the Lord. They would treat these sacrifices as a religious practice only. They did not understand that there was still a sin problem. These sacrifices and offerings were never meant to be permanent. These were only a foreshadowing of what was supposed to come in the future, glimpses of God's eternal plan. As a matter of fact, we read that Israel went so off course that they treated these sacrifices and offerings as solutions, as an avenue to just keep living life how they ever wanted, without any kind of regard for the Lord and for His commandments. And that was clearly not God's intention. Man had completely trampled God's mercy. And rather than gaining an understanding of their responsibility, they treated all of this as if God was giving them a license to sin. So when a person sinned, rather than repenting and turning from their sin, by seeing the innocent pay for their wrongs, they just kept on business as usual. They became completely insensitive to the issue of the sin in their life and disrespected God's plan and purpose. This happens today as well quite often. Isaiah chapter 1 gives us a clear picture of the evil that was being committed and what God's true intention was, where it says this, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not consider, alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city Unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? 
Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers. I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God refers to his own people like Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember, God had punished these two cities in the Old Testament because of their great sin and abominations. God uses the reference because his own people had adopted their ways. They became like Sodom and Gomorrah, especially in the spiritual sense, committing spiritual abominations against the Lord. But we read in the latter part of the passage that God's intent has always been for man to turn and repent from their wrong, to put into practice justice and righteousness, for man to help his neighbor, especially the defenseless, those that cannot fend for themselves like the widow and the fatherless. God's intention was for man to learn God's ways and to do that which is right. He didn't expect man to be perfect, but he at least wanted for man to try to do that which is right and pleasing before the Lord. That's why the Lord had provided this avenue of sacrifices and offerings so that there would be an understanding and responsibility for what was being done wrong and to cover man's shortcomings, but not outright abuse of God's grace. When Jesus was asked by the religious leaders to explain what the greatest definition of the law was, Jesus explained the following in Mark chapter 12, where it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. What God always wanted for man to learn is to love. For man to learn how to love the Lord and to love his fellow man. That was always God's intentions for man. And that learning this love was worth more to God than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is still God's plan for man today. Jesus also said this when asked about the law of God in Matthew chapter 5, where it says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle 
will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so Jesus came to fulfill just that, to fulfill God's complete intention for man. Man was never, nor will ever be able to fulfill God's requirements on their own. We can never be good enough on our own. We can never fulfill all the requirements because we are imperfect. And God's desire is for man to be saved. But the only way that this happens is by man understanding their position, their responsibility for the evil that they do. In the Old Testament, when the innocent animals were being sacrificed for the sins of people, the person was supposed to put their hand on the animal's head as it was being killed so they could see and understand that something completely innocent was giving their life for them, so they could feel the anguish and pain the animal was feeling for the wrong they did. The purpose of the act was so there could be a sense of pain, of remorse, ultimately of repentance. That was the duty of the high priest to be one who participated and led the people in this practice for the atonement of sins. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 26 to 27 tells us about Jesus Christ fulfilling that position of high priest where it says this, For such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. So, what did Jesus Christ do? Jesus became both the high priest and the innocent sacrifice. The Son of God, the perfect one, the sinless, became the sacrifice that was given for man's sin on the cross as he laid down his life and shed his blood so that our sins would not be covered temporarily, but rather forgiven and washed away forever and ever. In John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34, it tells us this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Jesus became the sacrifice, the Lamb that would pay for our sins. And it was a horrible and terrible thing that happened to him as he took our place. He took on the consequences of all of our evil actions. He brought upon himself the penalty of all of our wrongs, our evil. He took on himself the sins of the world, past, present, and future. The only way that could ever happen mechanically, if you will, is that God himself, someone as powerful and as mighty as the Lord, was the only being that could do this for the entire world by taking on the weight of so much evil upon himself. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us of what was supposed to happen to the Messiah, how God would provide someone that would do mankind the greatest service ever possible and necessary, where it says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant 
and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the measure of God's love for all mankind. And he did all of this out of pure grace. He had no obligation to do this. When mankind fell into sin, he could have just scrapped the whole thing and started new again. But he didn't, because he wanted to give as many people as possible the opportunity to live out their lives and make a choice, a decision. God gave us free will because he does not want for our relationship with him to be forced. He gave us reason so we could have the ability to understand and make a decision and to use our free will to make a choice for him. You see, love is a choice. A person chooses to love someone. God chose to love us. And in turn, God wants for us to love him as a response for everything he has done and continues to do for us. This is God's true will. That is what God has been after all along, ever since the beginning. He was not necessarily after the sacrifices and offerings of the Old Testament. He is the owner of everything. So he really doesn't need anything from us. Think about it this way. When parents have small children, they support him. They give them food, clothing, and shelter through the effort that they put forth by having a job. Ordinarily, small children can't get a job, so they have no monetary power. Even if they had a few dollars, probably the same money their parents gave them to have, do they really need back those few dollars from their children? Can they work to give their parents gifts that are greater than the ones they can get for themselves? Of course not. I could never outgive my parents while I was a child. My parents were not interested in seeing what I could buy for them because, quite honestly, I could never buy something that they could buy for themselves. 
They were interested in the love I could return to them, that I appreciate and love them back for the sacrifices and labor they put forth for me. That was their reward. They never said they were waiting for something back, but I could see their satisfaction when I obeyed, when I showed gratitude. If you're a parent, I would suppose you give your children love and you try to show them love through everything you do. But the only thing you cannot buy for yourself in any store is that your children love you back genuinely. This describes our relationship with our Heavenly Father. God was never interested in getting things from us that He can get for Himself. He is interested in that we learn to appreciate what He's done for us and that we learn to love Him back genuinely and that we also learn how to love others the same way He loved us. It's just as the scribe answered back wisely to Jesus when Jesus told him what the greatest commandment was. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Love is the answer to all things in life. And the answer to eternity itself, love is the reason for life, the reason for existence. When you understand God's love and you accept it fully, completely and genuinely, that is when God's perfect sacrifice will start making sense to you and where you will gain the understanding of the purpose for your existence. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. And God chose it that way because it was the only way man could ever be saved. That our sins through the blood of Christ could be completely washed away, forgiven for all eternity. All we need to do is repent and convert from all of our sins and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. Give Him your life today. Don't take His love and sacrifice for granted. Live for Him because it is the only fair and righteous thing to do as He gave Himself for you so graciously as the perfect offering for your life. When we understand what God did for us through Jesus Christ. There should be a deep sense of responsibility for the wrongs that we have done, that the innocent, the pure, the holy took our place in the cross. But at the same time, a great joy and sense of gratitude should overtake us in that God provided an eternal solution for our condition. He gave us hope where there was no hope. He showed us love where there was no love. He gave us grace where we had no right to anything. Because of our sins and wrongs, our destiny was eternal perdition. But God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, broke that destiny and gave us a new course, a new opportunity, the power to choose for life because He gave us access to life through the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's world, many people don't truly understand that they're hopeless because they've been brainwashed and lied to, that sin does not exist and that sin has no power over them. Sin does exist and its consequences can be seen in everything. When you get sick, when there are problems, when there is division and ultimately when people die. 
either because it's their time or because of the hand of man. This world is the place that it is and our lives are as finite and as delicate as they are because of the consequences of sin. The sin that has contaminated the whole world and our own lives. But faith in Christ changes all of that. We will still have trials and tribulations in the world. We will still have problems and someday we will all die physically. But when you have been born again in Christ, God comes to live in your heart so you are never alone again. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word to guide you so you can change your life around and be transformed. And when all of this is over, you have the hope of eternal salvation and eternal reward when you labor for and follow Jesus Christ. You will rise again but to live eternally. God through the power of Jesus Christ will raise you from the dead to eternal life where the Bible says in the book of Revelation, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. God loves you. Jesus died for you to prove that love to you. I urge you today that if you have not yet come to truly know Jesus Christ and accept God's perfect sacrifice for you, that you do that today. Don't leave for tomorrow something that needs to happen immediately. Repent and convert from all of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life today, right now. Pray with me with all of your heart at this moment and do it with faith and the miracle of salvation will happen. Pray this very simple prayer with me right now and say like this, Lord God, please forgive me for all of my sins. I want to turn away from them and convert to you. I believe with all of my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, my God, and my Savior. That He died for me on the cross and that He was buried. But you, Father, raised Him from the dead at the third day. I want the Lord Jesus in my heart. I surrender completely. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Lord is with you. He is in your heart. And He will change you. We would love to hear from you. And we would love to help you with your new life in Christ. Please write to us so we can connect with you and continue praying for you. Just look in our website to contact us. The 
Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.